Yo, what's good with y'all? Money Game Podcast. Back on your head once again. I'm clocking in for episode 69. Now, with this episode, I'm going to tackle uh, a bit of a, um, a, Twitter, a Twitter conversation I had yesterday. What day, what seven, no, day eight without no sports. Uh, this J Electronica album, it's a lot of mixed reviews on this. Um, one of the premier players in the NBA has tested positive for coronavirus and Kevin Durant and, and that is my favorite player in the league so you know I'm going to talk about that then we're going to talk about NFL free agency what seemed to be one of the most interesting years in NFL free agency Tom Brady put it on social media that he was not returning to the New England Patriots then later on that day at 4 o'clock it was announced that the expected landing spot for Thomas Edward Patrick Brady is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'll talk about if Tampa Bay is the ultimate Super Bowl pick now. We'll also talk about um, Amari Cooper, who signed a five-year, $100 million extension for the Dallas Cowboys. Let's go ahead and get into this episode, man. And I'm going to start with this Kodak Black Twitter situation. Okay, so um, yesterday... I I was on Twitter and I had retweeted a post and it was saying because Kodak he um he doesn't get the light that he deserves and it's a it's a viral interview going with Megan the Stallion and and she asked Kiki Palmer asked Megan the Stallion who um created the phrase drive the boat. Now a lot of people think it's Kodak Black. Now, this is not what sparked this whole conversation, but um, it started with a lot of stuff that Kodak has did as a young rapper, even with no flocking, and Cardi B put her um, her spin on that and made Bodak Yellow. Everybody knows what that song was, so that's that. But I mean... Um, and here's the post. It says, Kodak Black made No Flocking, which Cardi remixed. Kodak started the Broccoli thing. Then Drawn made the song Broccoli. Kodak started Drive the Boat. Now it's Megan's trademark. Please give some credit where it's due. Now, some person, I'm not going to say of what um, sex, but took it to the extreme and just wanted to, to mention the girl who actually made this tweet and me and responding and went on to say, but he's a rapist. Now, um, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because it's just like, yo, um, no, they said, no, she didn't say he's a rapist. She said he's a sexual predator and that's yet to be determined because I know what he's charged with, and I know how long it's been since I've heard these charges. But, I mean, I really don't have a dog in a fight. I don't know what Kodak has did, and I don't know, like, what the situation was. I wasn't there. And a lot of people think just because, or I say free Kodak Black, or people think that you agree with his actions. No. And I don't have no connection to him. I don't know him personally. I'm just a fan of the music. And a lot of times when people... I'm going to go off topic a little bit. Then I'm going to swing back to it. A lot of times when people don't want their kids listen to a, like, um, a type of rap music or it's too graphic or it's too much cussing or whatever, that's never really a problem. I mean, of course, you don't want your kids um, uttering these cuss words and whatever, but... If you're parents, then I don't think rappers should influence your children. And if you are real parents, then they would know not to idolize these rappers at all and just know that it's entertainment, it's music. That's what it's meant to do, entertain. So, swinging back to this Kodak thing, yeah, I like his music, but I don't idolize Kodak Black. I like what he does when he goes in the booth, in the studio. Like, I that's what people fail to realize and you saying like yo until proven guilty because we don't know what the situation is and 
Not to say that when everybody's um, guilty of something that they did it or they didn't do it because it goes both ways. And the justice system, I mean, oh, this O.J. Simpson thing does exist. Like, you can't shy away from that. So you can't say just even you just can't say until he's guilty that, like, he did it. We don't we still don't know. And if they got enough evidence to uh, to say that he's guilty, then I would like to think that this whole case would have been over. And throwing in there that he's incarcerated now, he's not incarcerated now um, for that, for sexual assault. He's incarcerated now for what? Lying about trying like, how to try to buy some like guns or some shit like that. Whatever. It's, I know it's, it's gun related. And he lied on some papers about buying some guns. I know that's the, the basis of it. Like, So... All that, like, until proven guilty. I mean, that's how, well, how some people will look at it. But even then, we even then, if he's proven guilty, what if he didn't do it? If he's if it if it says he's innocent, what if he did do it? Like, it still goes both ways. And what people fail to realize, this this whole conversation not benefit me at all. I'm not a, the management team for Kodak Black. Oh, I'm not his agent or I'm not his publicist. Like, I'm not getting paid to do this. But I'm just saying that just because it's a rapper and he happens to be African-American for the most part, people just automatically assume that he did it. And people run with public perception without even knowing any facts or any inside knowledge of this case. People talk like they got, they've seen court documents. Like, and people just on this uproar about this whole situation. I mean, it's not that serious. It's just a retweet. You want to bring in sexual, uh, sexual predator stuff when I'm just talking about give him his credit. And we're talking about the stuff he did within hip hop. We're not talking about stuff non-hip-hop in this post at all. So, I'm not understanding I'm not understanding. And this is the type of shit that goes on on Twitter. Like, people think that their opinions matter about shit. And it's just... Like I said, bro, people are fickle. Like, public... Whatever everybody else is doing, whatever type of little challenge they're doing, whether it's TikTok or Flip the Switch challenge or whatever, everybody's going to do it. Everybody's trying to fit in. This whole social media shit is just like high school all over again. Niggas doing shit just because other niggas doing it. Just following these niggas... For whatever. And that's the type of shit. Like, whatever somebody says on social media. Without anybody knowing it. But just looking at the comments and the likes and the retweets or whatever. It could be completely false. But just because people know the charges and all this shit. And they don't know what happened. With rappers, this whole sexual assault thing. And don't try to flip this on me and say... Because with rappers, rape and sexual assault and all this stuff does happen. But don't let's let's not act like females do not lie and say this happened when they willingly had sex with them. Let's not act like when these guys they get these females for one night they think it's gonna be something more, and when it's not, they talk about oh he cried he raped me or sexual assault and all that because you thought he's gonna keep you around. Let's act like that. Let's not act like that doesn't happen. Let's let's act like let's not act like that. I hear Joe barking outside. I left the door open for him. He's still barking, but that's just like I don't understand. I really don't understand. Like, and this is what goes on. Like people, like what is this vendetta you have against Kodak Black? And you telling me I'm biased and I'm influenced by the music so much that I'm blind to the fact that he's a sexual predator. I don't know the situation to begin with. Why are you acting like you have some inside information? That's what I'm not understanding. I admit it. I don't know shit about this case. I admit it. Like, I don't know. And even when, if he is proven innocent or guilty, who's to say that he didn't or did do it for each, for each side? So at the end of the day, what the, what does this help? What is this, what did this conversation? What did you fuck? Did you get out of this? Because now you're getting trolled. People are um, 
what, putting your pictures in here, laughing at you, and all that, like, I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding. Now you're getting trolled and all this, and you think because you got, what, 189 likes for saying he's also a sexual predator, Ashley? That is what public perception, that's what the media wants you to think about Kodak Black. Because they have had a vendetta out against him ever since. Like, he got broken to prominence ever since he, Kodak Black became into the mainstream and blew up. He was in and out of jail, in and out of jail, in and out of jail. Why? Because he's targeted. That's the bigger issue here. People fail to realize that he's just been targeted. And they want you to think that he's a menace to society. And they want you to think he's a rapist, sexual predator, and, you know, like, that he deserves to be in jail. He don't even get out until 2022. So... Yeah, like, we just need to stop with all this, yo. If we don't really know the situation, let's just hope that the justice system is making the right decision when they say he's innocent or guilty of sexual assault. That's the only thing we can do. Hope that they made the right decision because sexual assault and all this is not anything to be, like, joked about. Then you got these guys who are quite sure that he's a rapist and all oh, y'all defending a rapist. You don't know that that's true. That's my point. You don't. But, yo, this, this thing, yeah, this has got me in the heated up, bro. So I just had to get that out the way off top, man, because it's just crazy. And this is crazy to see how, like, how people don't really see the bigger picture. And they act like they know everything when they really don't know as much as I know. And I'm telling you off the rip, I don't know anything. But I'm not about to sit here and call somebody a rapist when I don't know for sure that they did it. I don't know the situation. But like I said, man, it's, it's Twitter. People, they just run with public perception. It's just another day at the office, if you ask me. So, anyway, moving on. So, on Friday, um, New Orleans rapper Jay Electronica dropped his long-awaited, actually for a decade, debut album, A Written Testimony, and for the most part, it features Jay-Z. And this is, um, I know this album has got, has gotten a lot of mixed reviews. Now, let me go off and say... Excuse me. Let me go ahead and say that. Um, that's not like people make it seem like, okay, we waited 10 years for a Jay Electronica album, and for the most part, we just get a joint album from Jay Z and make it sound bad. Like, yeah, we waited 10 years for this. It's been a long awaited project, and we've, um, we're missing the big point here, yo. This is a good selection of music. And I know people gonna talk about the mixes and how it sounds and all that, but overall though, it's still a good album. And I'm not gonna sit here and say Jay Z stole the show because on certain songs, I mean, it was looking like oh no, you feel me? Like it was it was like intense like battle in that booth because I mean Jay Electronica is a strong lyricist as well and can just um. He can make you like his stuff like like I said, yo, this that's this this is the album that Rap Genius was made for. Like cause a lot of stuff that he says is goddamn like you don't really know. It's like reading a poem or some shit. Like you, a lot of the shit he says you can't decipher. But it sounds very good. Like the way he puts words together and metaphors and all that. So a lot of people are saying it's good. A lot of people are saying it's alright. A lot of people saying they ain't live up to the hype, but it's not completely trash, but it's not what people expected. I mean, but I mean, that's even, that's the case sometimes when it's all like, you, I mean, we've seen label situations like with Lil Uzi, a Turner would take, and 
him, how he's the number one selling artist now. But this album was supposed to be dropped like last year around this time. But, you know, label situations, and it can cause a situation for a year or two. That's different. I don't think no label situation calls for 10 years. I don't know why it took 10 years for this to drop. When the first time I heard J Electronica rap was 2009. So it's like not understanding, like, why it took so long. It could have been he just wanted to live life and experience stuff before making his debut project because the debut project is big to some people. But I'm just trying to understand, like, how in the hell are you on the label with Jay-Z and an artist with so much, like, promise that we think, like, way back then that, yo... This nigga's not dropping into 2020. Like, if you would have told us that back then, I'd have been like, yo, what type of shit is this? Like, how in the hell can you sit on a label for 10 years, like, or 9 years without dropping shit? Like, this is features on tracks here and there, but not even an EP or nothing to let you know, like, yo, like, I'm still cooking up, but you know, like, or even give, like, um... A heads up about what's going on or your thought process on why the hell this album ain't dropped in the last decade or half, last at least half decade. So when we get it, and it's a joint album with Jay Z, because I mean, let's not make it seem like this, like this, all these Jay Z features is a bad thing because the fact that somebody can get these that many features from Jay Z on one project, let alone one artist. We, I'm happy if we get a Jay-Z verse once a year. That's what I'm looking for. Like, That's what I was looking for. I'm thinking Jay-Z just going to come out and just once a year. Like When you when I heard his verse on Meek's What's Free, I'm like, okay. He's packing it up. You're probably not going to hear Jay-Z until next year. It's going to be a feature or probably on some Rick Ross shit or some shit like that. But this nigga got all these Jay-Z features. I mean, you can't be mad at that, bro. And he's probably... One of the closest artists to him that not from his era, though. So, you got to think of it like that, bro. So, taking all that into consideration and just looking at the situation and understanding public perception and him and Joe Budden had an exchange over Twitter about this very album. And it just went like this. Jay Electronica. Um, well, he tagged Rory and something, and then he said, um, what was said? Hold on. Let me go, let me go and get to it. But it's not a bad album. I promise you, this is not a bad album, yo. But yeah, and a lot of people try to joke on the fact about this coronavirus stuff and that like he waited till the world's about to end. A lot of people saying nobody noticed because the coronavirus, but the album is still number one on iTunes as we speak. So basically, well, let me just get to the gist of it. Basically, um. He said, don't tag, tag me, don't tag Rory. Then goddamn, Joe, um, Jay Electronica says, I never heard none of Joe Budden's albums, but Allah bless your career as a journalist. And um, Joe Budden went on to say, um, I took you off your album and it was a, it was a Jay-Z mixtape, a whole mixtape. But peace to peace be on to you as well, King. And I... I think it's very petty that he's throwing these little like fake blessings out to each other or committing each other, but but the first half of it is shade, but then the second half of the uh, the statement is like some fake ass like blessings to you, like trying to make it like they cool. I think that's a like it takes petty to another level, but if you listen to Joe Budden pod or no Joe Budden for Joe to be Joe, and it's not normal. It's 
it's not nothing that we wouldn't expect Joe to do. But my whole thing is, a lot of these niggas cannot get this many. Uh, niggas can't get one Jay Z verse. And I don't think he smacked them around on his debut. That's not how I'm looking at it. But I'm. But if I mean, if I could have Jay Z on, if I could, not even a verse. If I could just have a sound bite of Jay Z just talking. I would use it for an interlude or a skit on my album. Not even a, like a verse, but a, a verse from Jay-Z, it's like a verse, 16 bars from Jay-Z. That's great for a debut album. So to have him on more than one song on your debut project, I don't really think that overshines him because if it was one of these subpar niggas, then it would just be a walk in the park. Lyrically, I don't think Jay Electronica is a walk in the park. So, it just, it seems like it, it's kind of watch the throneish with me. Because I feel like they're two lyricists in their own right teaming up. And this is a real relationship between Jay Electronica and Jay-Z. So, I mean, I don't know, people going to eat this up. And say, yo, we waited 10 years and, yo, we got this joint project and it's supposed to be your debut. Like, you're supposed to be snapping on this and you're supposed to have all these whole verses. I mean, hey, if you like it, I love it. A standpoint I look at it from, man. And that's not really the only standpoint I can look at it from because, I mean, there are not too many legends in anything like Jay-Z Eminem Nas Jadakiss guys who don't seem to decline Styles P Fabulous like only so many people can be potent for so long people are only checking for you for so long like in this rap shit it's a young man's game and you got a short window so, when your time is up, I hope when before that window had closed, you was planning your like your plan after rap, because I mean, yeah, you can have a a song hot this now and then, but it's not your time. It's always younger guys. It's always a young guy that's gonna go viral or that got the kids' attention, and the kids really control perception of rap. It's a new game. There's kids today that they're not listening to Eminem and Jay Z or. Or guys, most of these guys are teenagers, late teenagers who come into the game. They're heavily influenced by social media and they see the lifestyle that these rappers have and what they can do with whether it's money, jewelry, or women and how they carry themselves. And that's just the lifestyle that they want. They don't care about the ancestors and the guys who made hip hop what it is today. They just want to get in it and feed their family and put them in a different situation and, and that's and that standpoint is the only standpoint that I respect but if you want to get into this art you gotta know the history and there's some guys who know the history but a lot don't and Jay Electronica for him to have a hip hop historian this much on his album it's not nothing you can hate on it's not Around the time Joe Budden Pump It Up came out, do you think that he would take a Jay-Z verse? Do you think, like, at that time, like, he wouldn't have took a Jay-Z verse on his album or more than one Jay-Z verse on his album? But, I mean, hey, it is what it is, man. I still feel like this is a good body of work. So, with that being all that being said, make sure y'all go stream the debut album from Jay Electronica, A Written Testimony. And if you haven't heard of Anchor, that's the app I'm using now to record this podcast. And I'll give you some facts about that right about now. So, as you all know by now, Kevin Durant was one of the four members of the Brooklyn Nets who had tested positive for coronavirus. 
and Durant told everybody that he was feeling fine and he's told everybody to be careful, take care of yourself and quarantine. That's what he told the athletic, adding that he was feeling fine and not showing any symptoms. But he also added that we are going to get through this. The Nets did not in, in identify any players and said Tuesday that four of the players, only one is exhibiting symptoms. All four are isolated and undergoing medical care from team physician, the Nets said in a statement. ESPN sources told Woj that the Nets had players tested by a private company, a private company and the team paid out of pocket after they returned from San Francisco last week. The test results came back, and I quote from ESPN. Now, this is this is this is this is a hard time, not just in the world of sports, because as of now, the world of sports do not exist. That's why this is called the No Sports episode. But I will say this: it's a hard time right now, and if Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, them getting coronavirus, didn't really make people feel they're like they're not immortal then the one of the top two players in the NBA has contracted it I know the Lakers what they got I think they got tested yesterday or they get tested today one of the two but I mean that's the last team we played with the Nets so I hope nobody has contracted it on the Los Angeles Lakers but everybody knows I'm a Lakers fan it's been like that since I was the age of like four or five, and that's not going to change. But my favorite player in the league is Kevin Durant. And this kind of puts it in, like, I just, it's just crazy, bro, because it's like he's just having a rough year or two, like, because how he went out with the injury, Achilles, and slowly rehabbing to get to play next season. And now with this situation and we don't really know really all the facts pros and cons in this coronavirus thing and what percentage of people are dying from this out of what out of x many people but it's just hard and we don't know how to go about this i mean it's easy to joke and make memes and all that but i mean this is a real situation and this should put sports world even though it's non-existent, on notice. This is one of the star players, premier players in the NBA. When you think of the NBA and today and how far it's come, you think of LeBron, KD, Giannis, and these guys like that. He's one of the – he is the NBA. Kevin Durant is. And for this to happen, it's very unexpected. And I was hoping that – Nobody, you feel me, like the face of the league would get it. But, I mean, who's to say who has it and who who doesn't and what team is making it public that their players have it? Because I feel if if it's like this, then he he didn't even play. But, I mean, being a basketball player or celebrity in general, you around a lot of people daily. That's just the life. That's just what you signed up for. And you don't know where this could come from. It's scary. It's scary that you don't know how you could get it, how it can be contracted. All they're telling us is to wash our hands. But, I mean, that's basic shit that we should have been doing anyway. And for all these morons who stacking up on tissue and shit, like, what the hell was you doing before all this? Like, how the fuck was you, like, you didn't wipe your ass before this point? Like, and all this shit. So, um, so it just put me in a different space with this whole thing, man. put me in a different space because like KD man he's he's a warrior and I'm not talking about that's not a play on words because he just left the Warriors but at heart even before then he's just a warrior and to see that he has to go through this it's a scary time and you gotta be isolated probably can't even be around your family whatever friends girlfriend and it's crazy because we don't know what can come up with this whole coronavirus thing. I mean, when if when this news first came out about this whole thing, it was all fun and jokes, but now we seeing how this thing is playing out and it's getting more serious by the day. And 
that's just we we really can't determine what like what's gonna go go on. So it's kind of scary, but the memes and all that it can be excessive, but that's good because we can just have something to laugh about in this time of we kind of really don't know what to expect. And what China? They saying they got it from Chinese people, but China they shut their holes. They shut they shut China down for two weeks. You're not shutting China down for like an enhanced flu. No, this is just the flu. This is much serious. You had to be shut down for two weeks. And people don't understand that all these little, what people are saying and trying to downplay this, that's just because they're in denial. They don't want to accept that we don't know. Everybody's scared, probably. I mean, some people, it probably ain't like occurred to them that this is a serious thing. But for the most part, some people are scared because they don't really don't know what's going to happen and what's going to come from this. People think that this is going to blow over in a month and everything's going to be back to normal. No. If this was if this was another version of the flu, I don't think that sports would not be on TV now. I don't think that March Madness would have been canceled if this was just a ver- another version of the flu. It is much serious. And I don't think people really understand that. And that's just what it is, man. I mean, KD, like I said, I'm sure he'll pull through. But I'm quite, like I said, I'm quite sure it's uh, it's more players in the league and teams don't, just don't want to leak that information of how many players on the team has it because this would make it a lot worse and we wouldn't, like, but they should to let the public know this is a serious thing. And just not a couple player or a player or two every other day from a different team. I believe I believe it's much more. If schools schools are shutting down, I know in North Carolina over here, schools are shut down for at least two weeks. They ain't um they ain't done with the school year, but for these two weeks, like, these kids are not going to school. And that would not be the case if this was another type of flu. Like, I can't express that enough. So, I mean, it's all about your faith and believing that we as Americans can pull through. I mean, because some people will look at this as a crisis or whatever or some type of, they prepare for it like it's I Am Legend or some type of natural disaster. And But I mean, I, I just hope we all can like blow past this thing because I don't know. I didn't think that the NBA would not be airing right now. A month, not even a month, well, basically a month away from the playoffs. So, it's just crazy, man. And I just, I hate it had to be Kevin Durant, but I'm also half glad that it is Kevin Durant because now you know that this thing is real. If anything before this, canceling whatever. And how everybody was going about this was stocking up on all this random shit. Like, Kevin Durant has it, man. Now, if that should, that should be, that should resonate with all the listeners that listen to this podcast all over, not just in the United States, South Africa, Ukraine, wherever, like, Canada. 
Kevin Durant has it now. And that just makes me, I don't know what to think about it anymore. Uh, and just not having symptom shit just makes it worse because I could be going about it like, how am I going about my regular life? And who knows, bro? So, I mean, it just, it, this Kevin Durant with coronavirus, it definitely just took a different turn with me. Like, it just, if it, it just doubled down on everything else when Kevin Durant got it for me. And this is real. Like, this is really happening type shit. So, moving on. So, NFL free agency happened. A lot of moves. Um, Coop, we extended Coop. I'm going to talk about that. But Drew Brees, he stayed with the Saints. Uh, Phillip Rivers ended his 16 seasons in L.A. Chargers. Well, the Chargers. And he went to the Indianapolis Colts. Terry Bridgewater, he's with the Carolina Panthers as of now. The Carolina Panthers gave Cam Newton the chance to seek a trade. But the story of the free agency is Tom Brady. And via social media, he announced that morning that he would not be returning to the New England Patriots. Later that afternoon, it was it was the news broke that his expected landing spot was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, as soon as this made like headlines and in Vegas with the gambling, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are twenty two and one odds to win the Super Bowl now. Now, let's just say how I viewed his last two seasons with the Patriots. It was obvious. It was obvious. And I'm going to just start with this Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Tom Brady, I feel Tom Brady wanted to end his career with the Patriots. I feel that he wanted to. But once Belichick um got Jimmy G over there and basically telling you like to give him the keys to the, the being a leader on the team and and Brady's like oh, hold up hold up like I ain't done yet like I'm not done yet I'm not ready to be the mentor yet like I still I want to play up until I'm 45 and it's looking like I don't know I don't know if he could get to that 45 mark like he said a couple of years ago but I mean Belichick and Brady, whether they tell you or not, we know this conflict there. But in the public eye, they try to, you know, fake smile and hug and handshakes and all that. But we as people, we know when we've been, like, you toying with us. Like, don't insult my intelligence. I know his problems there. And I know last season, Belichick purposely didn't get the weapons that he needed to surround Brady with because he was trying to out him. Do you think Tom Brady is okay with losing in the wild card? Do you think that sat right with him? I think that that was this season was the final straw. I mean, yes, Tom Brady is known for beating you with not with like with subpar guys like average like he's known for beating you with average weapons, but those are his average weapons. So the thought of him getting Randy Moss when he did at that time period, we know what to expect. We knew the Super Bowl was what they were headed to. They didn't win it. But we knew the Tom Brady-Randy Moss combination was the Super Bowl destination. And this A-B thing, which it seems that that's going to be a thing again in Tampa Bay. Who knows? But he's definitely trying to recruit A-B to Tampa Bay. That's what I'm hearing. NFL sources all across the world are saying that. So, Brady, Brady, he, like he executed the perfect escape because Belichick purposely didn't surround him with the weapons. They lost in the wild card. And everybody knew that Tom Brady was not staying. Everybody. And people were trying to say, man, he's not going. He's going to. He's going to stay like two years and win some more Super Bowls, and he's going to be done. No, 
honestly, I think it's 2017. Tom Brady, that's when Tom Brady mentally left the, the, the Patriots. I think he mentally left them after that. So everything that happened after that, I mean, it was cool. But once you mentally leave something, it's not the same. It's not. So, the fact that whatever happened after 2017, it happened last season, it happened, okay. Now it's to the point where it's like, you purposely didn't give me these weapons. You're, you know. And Brady, he he played his part into it with the Jimmy G thing. I mean, he told Kraft to trade Jimmy G. Jimmy G would go on to do what he did this season with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, no, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but... It wouldn't surprise me if they was right back in there or competing right back in the playoffs again because San Francisco is here to stay. They made a statement even in the Super Bowl. So, San Fran, yeah, San Fran is back. But, Brady, this is is the moment. This is the moment we literally all been waiting for. And a lot of people thought that it wasn't going to happen. That's crazy. He's a patriot for life. Yeah, he's a patriot for life. You know I mean? He can play his whole career there. 20 years. 20 years is... That's long. That's Kobe's whole career is 20 years. He spent 20 years. And this is that moment in sports that people don't want to see. Like Tyson getting knocked out. Jordan with the Wizards jersey. And that's how you know that that era is done. That dynasty is done. It's a new era. He's trying to win to say, yo, I'm the driving force behind those championships. Not the coach. Belichick's trying to win and say, this system is the reason that you were put in that position to win those championships. That's what that's that's his notion. So this season is gonna be very interesting. Because what is what is what is Belichick gonna do now? You sabotaged last season, you didn't give him you didn't give him the weapons that he needed, and now he's gone. So what so what are you gonna do now? And we know how the Patriots are, they do not like to pay players. They get what they can get from you, and after that, oh Bill trade you or you can be a free agent. So their reputation, and I'm not even talking about all the cheating and the spy gates and deflate gates and all that. I'm disregarding it. I'm talking about their like perception of them other than cheating is that they don't want to pay players. So if you got a organization that's a, a winning culture, but on the downside, they're known for cheating and they don't like to pay their players. So, I don't know, like, how can you how can you recruit guys there now? Because for 20 years, everybody wanted to play with the GOAT. Everybody wanted to play with Tom Brady. Everybody wanted to, you know, say they was in the locker room with Tom Brady. Say they caught a pass from Tom Brady. Say they got this relationship with Tom Brady. Not no more. And everybody know Belichick's a Hall of Fame coach, but... There's, there's, I know why. There's guys that want to coach. There were those guys that want to be coached by Belichick, but not as many as the guys that wanted to play with Brady. So I mean, you may get a couple guys. You know how Belichick does, like how he runs his offense. Like no matter if you special teams or whatever, you, like you just play. You play how he wants you to play, and you do your job. But. This is what Belichick wanted. This is what Brady wanted. And for them, of course, they might not go out there. They might not. You know how Belichick is with the public anyway. You know. But you had a better chance of getting it from Brady. But I know he's not going to come out and just say this. But there's an individual competition between these two for this season. Whether they want to admit it or not. It's a race for that 
Super Bowl, who is going to be in Tampa? And if Tom Brady is the first, if he's playing on the first team to ever play in their hometown in the Super Bowl, that is just more history for him to make. He got the rings. Another one, but another ring in spectacular fashion and of winning it in the like the hometown of the team that you're playing for. That's something that he could ride out with. Like, and this was the this was the story of NFL free agency. Like I said, though, 2020 may be a bad year so far. Kobe death and all that. But, I mean, this corona stuff. But this 2020 is going to be known for the year when Tom Brady left the Patriots and started the second tenure of his career. And I was talking to my brother earlier that day, and I told him, like, yo, with all these trades, we were talking about Jason Witten leaving the Cowboys, going to the Raiders, and the Raiders is my brother team since he was in, what, like middle school. And we was talking about that. I was talking about I got, we got, we got uh, Mari Cooper for five more years. And I told him, that, yo, I wonder what Brady going to do. I got a, I got a feeling. I, I screenshot the messages and sent it to anybody who wanted to see it. I told him, like, yo, I think Brady's going to Tampa, yo. And sure as day, he went to Tampa. Because that's just a typical Brady move. Like, that's some smooth shit. Like, he wants to take somewhere. He wants to take them where they ain't been since they had, like, Gruden and Sapp and Keyshawn Johnson and them. Like, and the Chargers, it sound good, but I just couldn't, like, we didn't know. We, like, we couldn't picture that Phillip Rivers shit. And Phillip Rivers leaving. It kind of made you think, like, oh, maybe he got a chance. But I think he was just going to double down and just go where nobody thought he would go. Everybody thought it was going to be some Chargers or some Bears shit or some shit like that type time. Like, and he didn't. He took his own route, so there's no excuses. That's a smart thing to do. But like I said, man, this is a good move. And automatically, this makes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a better team. And they they gonna be they got Super Bowl expectations just like that because of one man TB twelve TB is now in TB and yeah it's gonna be a very interesting NFL season I'm looking forward to it and as of now the Corona outbreak does not affect the NFL season and it will the season will air the same time that it usually airs it will be no hiatus as of now I don't know how bad this Corona thing could get but. I hope it doesn't get bad because I'm looking forward to this NFL season. So, moving on. So, like I touched on, I talked about Amari right then. And, yo, I changed my mind. It was going to be the no sports episode. But after doing this last segment on Tom Brady, we're going to call this the Brady episode. So, yeah, I like that one better the Brady episode because we don't we don't like we don't give our goats the flowers like we need to but like I said Mari Cooper extension five years a hundred million dollars yo so the last two episodes from what what was it one episode we talking about um everybody expected him to leave one episode we talked about um hometown discount I think and third now he's getting an extension five years 100 minutes now that's great like I said it wasn't a good season for him he wasn't he didn't play like he needed to on the road he played better at home and that's that player that type of player is not acceptable as a Dallas Cowboys receiver as anybody can tell you um I just knew that he needed to redeem himself. I wasn't thinking five years, but I was thinking maybe one to three that he probably could redeem himself redeem himself with the Dallas Cowboys. And five years, I think that is enough. I don't know what is going to go on after that, but five years with Amari Cooper, 
I mean, obviously, since he got here, he turned his team around and made the offense what it was. And, like, automatically having that connection with Dak and just playing out of his mind and playing clutch when we need it. Like, that's all we could ask for from Amari Cooper. And he's really going to take – he's really going to be here for the journey of us. And I always said we had the talent – we got the talent, but it was the coaching. And I'm good with it being the coaching. I mean, we let some pieces go. I mean, Randall Cobb, I obviously didn't want to let Randall Cobb go. But, hey, it's a business, and I understand it. But, I mean, we definitely still have the majority of the talent that we need to be a Super Bowl contending team. And um, I'm just glad that we could work something out with Coop and keep him around for some years because – we need that wide receiver play that we know that we can get from him. And like I said, I wasn't condemning him for his play last season, but I'm just saying that's not – it didn't make it better. Like like Dak struggles and the defense struggles. At least our receiver was going on and on the road and home games that it would have been a lot better in those games. We could have won a lot of those games that we lost. But having him, I think he can make the changes and – Five year, hundred million. That's that's a huge gesture from Jerry Jones, and this deal includes sixty million guaranteed, according to NFL Network. The deal's average annual value of twenty million puts it only behind Julio Jones' twenty-two million in NFL history, wide receiver salaries, and that's per over the cap. In order to make room for the deal, the Cowboys restructured the contracts of running backs Ezekiel Elliott and offensive tackle. Lael Collins. So, we had to keep Cooper, Elliott, and Prescott. Like, those are the bread and butter of this thing. And for the most part, you got to make those arrangements that we we can secure the guys that we need and the guys that we want to win with. I mean, obviously, these guys mean something to the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones sees something that Stephen Jones is – more in tune than Jerry is right now. So Steven is the guy who's making those decisions now as he should. I mean, I would like to think if his father um, tragically passed away, then he would be the heir to the throne. And that's um that's what we need. But I'm glad that we could keep the three guys we needed. This whole Dak Prescott thing has kind of outshadowed it. But when this Amari stuff came through, it was kind of like, yo, like what the fuck? Wasn't expecting that. I mean, he was talking a hometown discount last time we uttered his name. So, the fact that we can um, restructure and keep him is it's good. It's good and it works for everybody because that's what we need going forward. And his play, even with the Raiders, I like how he played. And knowing that we had a chance to trade a first-round pick to get him was worth it. It was worth it. I just hope that this year he improves on the catches. And I understand a lot of them was overthrown, like I said in the other episode. But the ones that you can get, like, just get those and play more consistent. That's all I can ask for because I know what he could do. I just want him to play more consistent and just even in the losses put up the same numbers. And don't show me that you uninspired, you less inspired on the road than you are at home because that's not good. That's not the way it should be. You play the same the way same way you did last week unless it's an injury or something. Or, you know. So that's all I want. And I wasn't I didn't I like you feel me? I said he was replaceable, but I mean it was other guys that we could have, you feel me, try to get a nag at that could be like could be good to his ability and better. So that's all I meant with it. At the end of the day, I never really wanted to close the door on Amari. Because I know what he brought to the table, that type of energy. And in clutch time, we need guys like that that want to um, want to make the big plays and want to make all the clutch plays in crunch time. And I know that's what he can do because I've seen him. So that's what threw me off from last season because I'm like, how is he not like playing out his mind like he was the season before? Because when he came in, he like he just flipped the table. like, And him and Dak just had that connection off rip that just it just elevated the offense 
after that Tennessee loss that season, everybody wrote us off. Now, what did we do? Amari Cooper and Dak, we just tore the league up with the help of Ezekiel Elliott. And people could say that the money made Zeke too full of himself, but I still don't think we have seen the best of Ezekiel Elliott yet. Because we gotta get, we gotta get an MVP season from Ezekiel Elliott, and that's on the way. Matter of fact, we gotta get at least from Dak or Zeke. We gonna get an MVP season from one of them. We got to. And it's on the way because I, we still haven't seen the best of them. Now these guys are relatively young. The the defense, it's a mixture of veterans and young guys, but. They play like a bunch of veterans. Offensive line is still uh is still potent as we needed to be. So we still in contention. Uh we got Garrett out of there. McCarthy, we wanna see what he brings to the table. I know I know a lot of West Coast offense and stuff like that. That's cool, let's switch it up. Let's see what fits this what style fits this Dallas Cowboys team. You gotta make changes. Like I said, we had the talent, but the coaching wasn't right. I remember times when the coaching was was suspect, and we we barely had talent. Other than Romo and Dez and a couple few pieces and Murray when he had his little run, but crashed early. That's just what happened. So I'm glad that we was able to keep Amari, because. Like I said, we seen one season for him. We seen one good season for him, one bad season for him. So we know his range. We know how good he could be, and we know how bad it could be. So we know when he's at his best. That's all I want. Because the defense, I feel like the defense, we I knew they was good, but they only they didn't play every game. Like the defense, they have their games. But if the defense come out hot and they set the tone with shutouts or fumbles or interceptions, it, it's going to carry on to the offense. And once it, carried over, once it carries over to the offense and Dak, Zeke, and these guys, and Amari, and, um, I'm missing somebody. I can't think of their name off top right now. But when it gets to them, that intensity carries them. That's what gets us going. We can't have the offense plan or the defense plan at a high level. Then the offense come up there, they're not playing. But the offense playing at a high level, then the defense not playing. Like, you got to motivate each other. Both sides of the ball got to motivate each other. That's part of being a team and keeping that same flow going. Got to have that same flow going. And a lot of games this season, we didn't have it. And that resulted in losses. And that's what it resulted in, man. So I'm glad we got to keep Amari Cooper. I know what he brings to the table, and he's a valuable piece in the Cowboys' offense. So thanks, Stephen Jones. Thanks, Jerry Jones. This was a great move. Now we can think more about our season or the draft or whatever. So, yeah. Glad it's a good day to be a Cowboys fan, man. Most definitely. So... This is the end of the episode, man. Sixty nine. Um, this was uh, one of the most. This was one of one of the more fun episodes in my opinion, because I feel like I just knocked this out effortlessly, and it wasn't really a thing. But let's talk about uh, before I end this, man. Let's talk about like how devastating a time this is with this corona outbreak. That with the sports shit though, like I was watching. I watch Friday Night SmackDown. With John Cena and these guys, no crowd. I watched Monday Night Raw, no crowd. And they had Legends Undertaker and Stone Cold there. Last night, I was flipping back and forth between NXT and AEW, no crowd. And they just showing like stuff from like previous pay-per-views and shit. Then they just show like the last hour or so with no crowd or some shit. Like, it's whack, bro. It's no sports. I caught myself Saturday watching golf just to hear Mike Tirico talk. Like, you know, if you watch basketball and all that, you understand the football. You know who Mike Tirico is and 
how important he is into the sports world. Like, I, I literally caught myself watching golf. This is a devastating time. On ESPN, they got nothing to show. Like, after first taking all that, it, it's done. After those, the shows are over, it is done. You watching old UNC and Duke games from 2012 and shit and th- doubling up on 30 for 30s. I've seen I hate Christian Leitner 30, 30, 30 for 30 so many times that I, I'm really starting to hate Christian Leitner. I'm I'm dead serious. Like, this is outrageous, bro. Like, there's no sports thing. This is day eight, bro. Caught myself watching Andre Miller highlights yesterday. And if you're a real NBA fan, you know who that is. But, yo, this is outrageous. I never thought I would experience this in my life, yo. Like, this is depressing, like. And this is devastating because it's like, yo, I'm used to watching sports every week. Some type of sports. But, yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, end of the episode, man. Episode 69, the Brady episode. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Stay safe out there. Um, Quarantine, I guess that's the wave. (laughs) But, but like I said, y'all, make sure you stay safe. Um, Keep doing what y'all doing. Keep supporting me. Like I said, Money Game Podcast is forever. Peace, love. See y'all next week. Well, y'all will hear me next week, rather. I'm out.